podcast one production. Welcome to part two of the moment featuring the Socceroos. Now, the first half of this story, whew, she was a tough one to listen to, but this one, part two, things are about to get a whole lot better. On June 29, 2005, after six years in charge, Socceroos coach Frank Farina, bang, chopped, sacked, gone. On the 22nd of July, under four months out from the final World Cup qualifying leg, coaching legend Gus Hitting was appointed. So what did Gus know about the Socceroos? Uh, not much, not much. The Socceroos, on the other hand, they knew all about Gus. Tony Vidmar was just one of many who were a touch intimidated by the master coach. Well, the funny thing was, at that time, I was in, uh, I was at Nakbreda, but I was living in uh, in Eindhoven, and uh, at that stage, I think was coach of PSV, and he lived close to Eindhoven, and I was at a tennis club where he was playing tennis, and um, my father-in-law said, oh, you know, you should go over and say hello, and I said, actually, this is not the place where I want to say hello to, so I kind of... Uh, I, I kind of knew he was around, but I kept my uh, kept my distance uh, uh, distance from him um, until yeah until we had the first camp in uh, in, in Holland and uh, yeah it was uh, painful painful as I don't think we'd worked hard ever before uh, I think he just he just uh, grilled us he just made it tough I think. I think he wanted to see who was uh, prepared to uh, to fight, who was prepared to uh, to keep themselves in the uh, in the squad. And the trainings were, you know, two hours long, uh, two sessions each each day, um, and a lot of us felt a lot of pain. Um, but it was a good pain. He kept us on on our toes. Um, so you never you never knew you never knew what was going to happen. Um, and you just had to perform. I think that's what he wanted to see. He wanted to see who was prepared to uh, to stand up uh, and 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 put a performance in that uh, he could uh, he could select you. It was hard. It was intense. He would put you under that much pressure in training. In terms, if you uh, bad touch, uh, misplace the pass, he would yell at you. And and you know it would be, can you take this pressure? Now, if you couldn't take the pressure, more than likely he wouldn't be able to use you in a big game. And a big game is like a Uruguay mm. and qualifying for the World Cup. Good. Good match. Good match. Okay, set it up. He also identified Mark Viduka as a guy central because everyone got on with him. Everyone got on with Mark Viduka because he, he, he's such a nice guy. There was no clique with him. Um, but he knew that he had to get the best out of him as well. And he'd go up to him after the one of the first training sessions after the first camp it was in um, in July after he'd taken the job and he, he basically went up uh, over to him away from everyone, didn't say it in front of everyone and said, you are so important to me but one thing, if you lose four kilos, we will go to, I'll take you to a World Cup. And Viduka's looking at himself going, I'm, I thought I was pretty fit. So sure enough, he just got inside his head, he went over and next time you see him, he, he looked at him and went, hey, Dukes, you've been working. Okay, let's go now. Good stuff. And then he made him captain as well because he knew probably he was capable of taking on that responsibility. And he was a leader through actions, probably not words, but he was the, the, the most technically gifted number nine striker that Australia's ever produced as well. So he knew how important he was and he, he didn't care how he went about it, but he played some masterful mind games with a lot of the players. Didn't tell them a lot, but told them enough to keep them going and keep them guessing and try and get the best out of them. Hitting also had to tell some players, like John Aloisi, 
that they wouldn't be in the starting 11 for the first leg. I could sense that I wasn't playing and, you know, Gus uh, could sense I was getting pretty upset about it and um, he made a bet with me if uh, he could hit the crossbar from the halfway line and uh, he had the ball in his hands. I said, no chance. He volleyed the ball out of his hands, bounced at the penalty spot and hit the crossbar and he goes, you owe me a bottle of wine. It's Yeah, yeah. So I bought him a bottle of wine and he let me uh, share it with the players at dinner time, so, which, right. was, which was good. Good of him, and so that was a way of Gus, you know, um, making sure he kept me happy. But he probably did different things with all different players. The Socceroos have arrived in Uruguay for the first leg of their Saturn's Earth World Cup playoff after 31 years of heartache. The national side, led by master coach Gus Hiddink, a confidence of a good showing against the team that crushed their hopes four years ago. A few brave Aussies found some seats, and bright and early they nearly had a goal to cheer about. Mark Viduca forcing Fabian Carini to make a good stop to keep things scoreless. And 10 minutes from halftime, it's the host with a free kick, and they make the most of it. Dario Rodriguez with the header past Mark Schwarzer. One zip, Uruguay, and the joint is at jumping. Uruguay a punto, el primero le pegó el chino. That was the only goal scored. Uruguay with a one-goal advantage to take to Sydney for the second leg. Something that us as players playing a national team have never experienced that. Like We just felt everyone, the whole nation behind us. It was great, like, you know, watching the TV, listening to the radio, walking the streets, the newspapers, just everything. The whole nation was just waiting for that game and ready to support us. Everyone recognised the team, recognised the individuals and uh, and everyone thought and felt that we could go and win this game. Um, and I remember that, you know, training in Sydney, um, you know, Gus uh, made us practice penalties because he actually felt that it could go to a penalty shootout. Mm. But then I stayed behind and practiced penalties with Lucas Neal and I practiced it uh, down the end that we took the penalty shootout because... I um, I asked where the crowd were going to be in terms of our main supporters, in terms of uh, you know the, the ones that really sing the most, and they said down that end. I said, well, normally they would do it down that end, and I practiced five penalties and I hit them all the same, all the same side, and I had Antikovic in goal, and he asked me why are you hitting them the same side. I said because if we get to a penalty shootout, I'm only going to get one chance, so I want to make sure that I'm ready for that one. Is there any truth to the rumours that float around Australian football that you had said to a few people you were going to score the winner at some point to put us into the World Cup? Yeah, I did. Oh, yes. This the, is back to signing autographs as a five-year-old. Yeah, well, you, you know, I, I, I said it to um, Mark Leduca, actually, when we were, I think it was when we played Jamaica in London. We, we went out for a drink after and I said to him, you know, I'm, I'm going to score the winning goal. And, um, you know, I actually forgot that I'd said it to him, but he reminded me after the game against Uruguay. But I used to say it that much to to my wife and uh, and my my family that, the you know, it was during that, that year there that uh, the Confederations Cup between Confederations Cup and the World Cup qualifier that I'd said you know I'm going to score the winning goal I, I just know it we're going to go to the World Cup then I'm going to take Australia there and uh, that I convinced myself that it was going to happen and uh, I just felt it was going to happen Do you realise the significance of what could be about to happen? Oh we realise that it's a it's a big uh, a big game, but it was a, it was a big moment for a lot of us because we knew that it was our last probably attempt or um, go to go to World Cup, and uh, 
Yeah, but I, I mainly remember that I was upset that I knew I was going to be on the bench at that time. And uh, I remember ringing my brother and telling him I was going to be on the bench. And he said, remember what you've been telling us. You, you're going to score the winning goal. So be prepared when you come on to do that. And, uh, and so that, that put me back in the, the right frame of mind. And I remember arriving at the stadium and going out for the warm-up. And you just, it was a great feeling because, you know, you, you see the supporters out there and then you see um, John Travolta, which we're all excited about, that was at the stadium. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and we, we just felt that it was going to be a big night. It was going to be, a, a, you know, a night that we're going to remember. on the stars and your feet on the ground Theodore Roosevelt's recipe for success has real resonance for Australia tonight as they see a glittering prize twinkling on the horizon they are ready they are prepared they're willing they're determined to end 31 years of pain the only question remains is whether they're good enough In 90 minutes or perhaps a little longer we shall know Can you remember what happened during the Euro? Yeah, 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 definitely. That, uh, that definitely I won't, uh, I won't forget. Um, as soon as the, the national anthem from Uruguay was on, just the uh, 80,000 boos and jeers and whistles, and uh, I was like, oh, holy fuck, this is, uh, this is good. This is good. Yeah, yeah, because of, you know, it was like four years ago, the same thing in, uh, what happened in uh, four years ago. So it was, you know, people can say, ah, it's un Australian, but for me, it was Australian because uh, we know what happened to us four years ago, the treatment that we got, and now it was time to, uh, to, to pay them back in, in, in that regard. That was the best moment of my footballing career. And I think this is the first time when we, we all stood up as a nation saying, no, you treat us like the way you treat us over there, we'll treat you the same down here, and, and well done to them. I thought that was probably something that uh, we needed, uh, just to uh, to kick us uh, kick us on and to get us uh, to have a good start in the game. Cross your fingers, your toes, and your worry beats the hand. This is going to be a heck of a ride. Here is Kuehl. His first touch, Superfield. Finally, Cahill. Harry was coming across the box. Uh, I think the ball was coming away from him, and he probably tried to lunge out to it to try and shoot. Miss kicked it, came across to where I was, more towards the penalty spot, and just first time with the left foot, was able to put in the, the back of the net. Tight spaces. Here's Harry Kuehl. Oh, it's and it's, it's in. Still there. Australia have scored. Marco Bresciano. 33 minutes played. And Telstra Stadium erupts. I think there was probably about uh, 800 kilos that fell on top of, uh, jumped on top of uh, Bresch. Uh, players, players coming from all uh, all directions. Dream goal for Australia. How about that for a finish too by Marco Bresciano. It's it's unbelievable. You know, just when we're training and we've got games and you score a goal or training is unbelievable. So you can just imagine the feeling it would be to score in um in a game like that so important and scoring the goal that just ties everything. You know, knowing that. We just got our foot in the door now. You know, there's a chance of us qualifying for the World Cup. Yeah, I remember, the, you know, the Brescia celebration. I remember uh, <laughs> standing still and doing the statue. So it would have been early 2000s when I started doing it. And 
I don't know, you know, I've done it the first time and the Italian media were just all over it. I was like, fuck, they loved it. And then I saw how much they were enjoying it. I go, well, I'm just going to keep doing it. So it just, it just stuck with me and every game I scored in club level or at national team, I was I was doing the statue. The Socceroos had the better of regular time. Kuehl. Step over and another. Into the right foot. What a shot by Tim Cahill. Just right at the post and it took a deflection too. But they couldn't, no matter what they did, they couldn't land the knockout blow. Well, there it is. The final whistle. Australia have won on the night by goal to nil, but it's all square on aggregate. So we're going to be in extra time, extra half hour, and then if necessary, penalties. You know what? I don't think at that point of the game, I don't think we were right about conceding a goal because we saw that physically they were they were gone. Um, I think we had that, that edge on them. It's Marco Bresciano who's going to be the man to make way for John Aloisi. It's a deep one towards Aloisi on the volley. Blocked by the Uruguayans again. You've got to get to it. Morales. Oh, Morales! Mitra too wide of the post. Oh, dear. There it is. Penalty kicks will decide a place in World Cup 2006. You at home religious, now's your time say football's a religion and it is for all of us you're going to feel it down to your soul but tonight say a prayer for these boys When Graham Arnold was hunting around after extra time he he was looking around for players to take penalties and, and he, he tells the story that some guys were like just thinking of an excuse to walk in the other direction. They wanted no part whatsoever of it. Um, Vinny Greller actually said to Arnie, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll take a penalty. I'm 11th. I'm after Schwartzy. Thanks very much. I don't, I don't want to have any part of this. After previously declaring he would be the one to send the Socceroos into the World Cup, John Aloisi, well, John Aloisi did want a part of it. I put up my hand and then as soon as I told him that I was going to be the fifth penalty taker, I, I walked off and uh, just started focusing on what I had to do. So uh, th- at that moment, it becomes sort of a, uh, you know, blank. But then Gus brought us all back in together and his last words were, you know, if you're taking a penalty, make sure that, you know, you hit it with confidence. And that was it. Before 90 minutes of extra time, was drama. We ain't seen nothing yet, folks. Here we go. It's Harry Kuehl against Fabian Carini. First penalty, Australia. Beautiful. Beautifully put away by Harry Kuehl. Sheer class, Harry. I had no idea who the other penalty takers were. I was, you know, I remember standing there with Lucas Neal and looked at him and he goes, uh, are you taking penalty? I said, yeah. And I go, are you? And he said, yeah. No, what number? And he told me, you know, which position. And, I, and he goes, what number are you? And I go, number five. I go, yeah, yeah, hero or villain. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Schwarzer, you can do it. Fuck yes, Louis, yes, great save. Rodriguez against Mark Schwarzer. Great He's save. done it again. In the shootout, Mark Schwarzer is the hero for Australia. He was in good form at that time. And again, he probably, uh, you know, he'd been through a penalty shootout the years before against Canada and, and saved, you know, a couple of penalties. And, and he felt that he was good at that penalties. 1-0 to Australia soon became even better. It's Neil. Shootout. It's 
Scudella. Oh, it's just underneath Schwarzer. It's too good. 2-1 now to the Socceroos. Enter. Tony Vidmar. Probably other times I've thought, oh no, if I miss, no, I can't, no, I'm not going to do it. But it was like, felt, it felt normal. It, uh, it, it felt right. So, um, how many yeah. penalties have you taken? How many penalties have you taken in your <laughs> professional career? How many in my professional career? I reckon I've taken zero in my professional career. So that's it, zero. Yeah, so you yeah. were you were stepping up for your first ever penalty. Uh, I, I took one. Uh, I think I took one a few months before in a uh, in like in a pre-season game, but that wasn't that wasn't a competitive game. So, uh, so why did you put your hand up? Yeah, I don't know. It's it, it's probably ones where it's you know it, it felt right. Um, this is this is the opportunity. You know, take it in your own hands. Um, you know, you don't want to at the end and think, oh, you know, he missed, it was his fault. You know, you don't even want to think of that. You just want to say, well, you know what, if I score, I score. If I don't, I don't. I'm, I'm fine with that. This is the opportunity. This is my last opportunity to get to a World Cup, so take ownership and, and be responsible. Drawn 14 years' experience as a pro. Surely he's never had a kick as important as this. Just walking up, it was the longest walk, I think, in uh, in history of walks for me. And what I do remember is that the day before in training, uh, hitting made sure we took a penalty each. So I just took it and, and hit it the same way. So I'm thinking, you know what, I'm just going to put it the same place as I did last night. Uh, if he saves it, he saves it, uh, and that's it. Just pick your spot. Come on, Tony. I think I took five or six steps, walked backwards, and just made sure that I knew where I was going uh, and just waited for the uh, referee to blow his whistle uh, and just stepped up and, and hit it to the spot where I, I did the night before. Um, and I probably hit it better that night than I did the night before. So just place it, hit it hard, same spot. If it hits the side netting, the keeper has to be fantastic to get it. It's Vitmar. Beautiful. It's beautifully put it on his son. 3-1, Australia in the shootout. And that's standing closer to the World Cup. He's the hero. Tony Vidmar is the hero tonight. Is it elation at that moment? Yeah, yeah. Then it was just like, yeah. Yeah, it was uh, a million things going through my head and, you know, jumping up in the air, fist pumps and uh, whatever, <laughs> whatever else, whatever else hits you at that time because, you know, you scored, but, you know, they still had to take their penalties. There were still two more penalties for us to come. So, yeah, just... As you said, it was it was that uh, elation and uh, yes, you know, scored and that you know was nearly the top of the uh, you know the mountain in, in regards to uh, you know scored my penalty, played well, um, and now just waiting for you know for us to uh, to win. And did you kick up with your traditional foot or your non-traditional foot? Someone. <laughs> yeah, I went with my left foot. So I'm. And a, you're I'm a right footed. I'm a natural right footed. Yes. But so you went left foot. I went left foot, so I worked that out. <laughs> Here we go. Beautifully tucked away by Estoyanov. Yeah. 3-2. You know, that's the the one guy you, you want him to score because such a, you know, top bloke. Have to score. You must go to 4-2 and put the pressure on their lad on this next kick. Mark Viduka. And rightly so. It was like, ah, oh, Dukes is going up. That's it for goal. Viduka. Would you believe it? It was like, wow, he missed. When Viduka missed his penalty, I was confident through the penalty shootout. When Viduka missed his, I got a little bit nervous, thinking, oh, you know, my penalty could be the one to, to keep Australia in. But then Viduka misses, and we go, 
well, he's our best player and he's done that. We're no chance now. We're no chance. It, it, it's going to end in tears. I thought, oh, no, here we go. And that's when the, the, the greatest part of negativity hit for the evening, I think. Now up to Mark Schwarzer. This would be a great one to save. Mark Schwarzer, you can do it. Incredible in that in that penalty shootout. Two top important saves in his career, and he's done it in that game. That means that if John Aloisi can score this goal, Australia will be there. And I remember, and uh, and I I've seen photos of it. That uh, everyone on the halfway line jumps up and you just see me walking two metres in front and, and I'm just looking at the ground and so again the confidence came back because I knew that was it, Swartzy saved his I'm going to score I'm thinking derail, everyone's thinking derail because it's happened too many times before, <laughs> I'm certainly thinking along with 80,000 that yeah that something's going to happen, I don't know if the ghost of Peter Hall's going to jump out of the ground and pull the net down again or, or something's going to happen once more and the halfway line to the penalty spot was a different walk than when I was 14 years old. This walk was, I, I enjoyed every step of it. It was, you're going to take Australia to the World Cup. Do what you did yesterday in training and we're going to the World Cup. And, you know, all I could hear were sort of whispers in the crowd. Is this it? Are we going? If he scores this? It was, it was that sort of surreal moment. Didn't hear massive noise. It wasn't 83,000 people screaming. It was, um, you know, maybe that's the zone. I don't know when people say you're in a zone. That was it for me. We were, I'm I'm trying to think if this uh, was happening. We're like, okay, Johnny, yeah, Johnny. And then, and then we were like, oh yeah, the keeper. And, And I think someone said, oh yeah, the keeper knows some of the players have played with Johnny, so they know where he takes his uh, his penalty. And we're like, oh shit, okay. Um, well, hopefully, hopefully the keeper goes the wrong way. I remember getting the ball, putting it down, walking back. With the the run up was, you know, I was in line with the um, the outside post and on the 18, and so I knew every step that I had to make and, and hit it the exactly the same I hit the day before in training. After 31 years of disasters, mistakes, near misses and constant heartbreak, it all came down to one kick, one moment. Here's Aloisi for a place in the World Cup. hit it, I felt a good connection um, and then I look up and I can just see the ball sort of going in and then I see the net start to move a little bit and and I remember this well that I, I can't hear anything. Is Has it gone in? Because normally there should be a cheer but it was probably a half a second before you know, everyone realised it had gone in. That, uh, and so if you see the way I've started running off, my my face is a little bit shocked, and and it's like, is it in? Is it? Uh, and then I hear the cheer, and I see the net really move, and um, and that's when I I go nuts. Come on, John 
I've ripped the shirt off. I actually, the, the shirt wasn't planned, um, but the the where I ran to was planned because I, I asked the day before where our families were sitting because I wanted to go celebrate with them when we when I scored the winning goal. <laughs> so I knew where they were sitting. I knew where the tickets were. Um, the the shirt wasn't planned, but as kids, I remember uh, watching the old National League. There was a player played for Sydney Olympic. He scored an important goal in one of the finals games, and he took off his shirt and started running around. And I remember the mayhem and the emotion of it all. And so as kids, kids when I used to play in the backyard and we used to score a goal would run around with our shirt off and run like crazy and just that emotion came back and um, you know a little bit embarrassing when I look at it now because you, you think well you know you look like a madman but the, the you know everything what it meant not only to me but to everyone that had played the game supported the national team to finally go back to World Cup that, that was I think the way everyone felt at that stage Johnny Warren did tell us so everyone John Aloisi, can you believe what is happening here? 32 years, the curse has been broken. Yeah, finally. We thought it was going to happen. We've been dreaming it for 32 years. And we couldn't ask for a better better finish. We've 83,000 people here to watch us. 20 million people in Australia following us. We just can't believe it. Well, it's been a long old wait. And it's going to be a long old night. Fabulous seats and how these players have earned it. My memory is just seeing John Travolta coming into the change room and singing a song with him. The thing that stuck in my mind the most, and it was probably just as good as the um, penalty shootout, it was uh, meeting John Travolta. <laughs> it was, you know, I was a massive Greece fan, you know, growing up. Saturday Night Fever, I knew all the worst to Greece. And so when he's walked in, you know, there's Danny Zuko. <laughs> But we would get to a certain part and would stop singing because we didn't know all the words. And when, when do you see your family after the game? How oh, long later? As soon as the bus rocked up to the hotel. They were there waiting for us to get off the bus. And what do they say to you? You've just qualified for the World Cup, you've scored a yeah. goal, you know, yeah. you're a hero in Australia. What do they say? It's probably the only time my father kissed me. He actually was waiting for me to walk off the bus and, and grabbed me and, and gave me a kiss. Isn't that fantastic, mate? Yeah. It's good. It's, it's emotional now. Australia always likes to think itself as, yeah, we don't dominate, but we punch above our weight. And in order to be recognised in a sporting sense, you, you can't really say that you're a fantastic performer on the world stage if you don't perform or even get to perform in the world's biggest sporting event. But it just legitimised the sport both home and abroad and made everyone who's ever been involved with the game in Australia feel damn good about themselves for once. Those are the dreams that you you, you look on as a, as a as a kid, you know, wanting to play for your country, that those are the moments that uh, stick out. Um, I think for so many years we were um, probably the the laughing stock of uh, national teams uh, in, in that regard, but uh, I think as a nation coming together, uh, and I think as you said, that was probably the best sporting moment ever for, uh, for Australian sport. It's a moment that 
will live with me, but it'll live with whoever witnessed it, whoever's there, and how many people will stop me and tell me where they were. You know, I, I think I've met 180,000 people that are at the stadium, but uh, there's only 83,000 people there. But you know, people tell me which pub they were at, who they were with, how they reacted to it all, um, how it was the best moment that they've ever witnessed, and um, and to know that to know that you're part of something so big is you know that's something that you know you, you have to feel privileged about. Here's Aloisi for a place in the you World Cup. For us. He's yeah! scored! My moment, even though it's that people say it's you know John Aloisi scoring the penalty, but it was more than an individual thing. It was a it was a team, but it was also a country that you know had been suffering at that, that level, and that's why it's probably hit home with so many people. And I was just the lucky one to be part of that and then take the winning penalty. And I had predicted it. Yeah. <laughs> you know what? It's funny because people must think, what well, this guy must be so full of himself. <laughs> he thinks that he can predict whatever. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, I, I did, and, and that's probably why I ended up being able to do it. Written and created by Mark Howard. Produced by Michael James. Audio imaging by Matt Nikolic. Executive producers Mark Howard and Grant Tothill. The Moment is a Podcast One production.